Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him. The sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield. So he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who tried Tinder once and is never going back, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Nancy Jo Sales, a journalist and best-selling author who has written for Vanity Fair, The Guardian, and New York Magazine, among other places. She's also the director of a new HBO documentary called Swiped, Hooking Up in the Digital Age. Nancy Jo, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you so much. So I want to go, I like to go into the backgrounds of the people I talk to so they understand how they got where they got. And I want to do that. But this is based off a story you wrote in Vanity Fair. Is that correct? This was a very controversial story, too, at the um, time. Based on wouldn't exactly be correct, but mm-hmm. it covers the same subject matter. Yeah, yeah. But it was really interesting because you what you did, I think, and quite correctly, and even though people, uh, there were a lot of complaints about it, but I didn't think it was. I thought it was absolutely dead on uh, in terms of what these gamification of dating was doing to culture and girls especially and boys too and how they behaved. And just before we started here, I said it actually had a really big impact on me. I was reading it one night at my house and I was so angry, you know, and I'd so it was so clear the coarsening of relationships through this app and how people behaved on it and all these all these apps, these different dating apps. And so I, I got it from my I was reading it. I was so mad. I was like, you had some girl did something and I got so angry that you and you wrote it beautifully. Um, Thank you. That I went down and my son was sleeping and I woke him up and I said, if you ever treat a girl like this, I will break your arm or something like I was like, I didn't (laughs) not break his arm. But I was like, if you ever I will. I am so mad at you right now. And he was like, Mom, what did I do? I'm like 12. And I was like, listen, I just want to make sure like you need to read this. I made him read it. I was like, don't ever speak to women online like this. It was a ridiculous parenting moment on my part. But in any case, it was it had a it had a great impact on me. I don't think it's ridiculous. I mean, maybe it was a little abrupt, but I think it's it's, it's necessary that as parents, we do start talking to our kids, girls and boys, yeah, I'm gonna about make them watch the documentary too. about the new ways that people communicate with each communicate other. with each other. And yeah. you know, I wrote a book about that, yeah. American Girls, yes, social media and the secret lives of teenagers, that goes into that very thing, mm-hmm. and talk to a lot of schools and parents often say, "Well, what do I do?" and you know, it seems pretty obvious to me, as it did to you, that mm-hmm. we need to start having conversations yeah. like this about yeah. what this new technology— And how you interact and stuff. So let's get started. Talk about how you got to here, because you have written a lot about this topic, and you were very early to writing onto it. And obviously everyone knows about Tinder and knows about dating and the, the changing nature of dating and the, and the gamification. But let's talk about how you got into it, because you were a longtime journalist. You covered various and different sundry things. I started writing about teenagers in the 90s at mm-hmm. New York Magazine. 
I randomly got assigned a piece about teenage culture. And there was not the, you know, things we didn't say things went viral back then, but it was sort of the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. It, it went viral in the sense that everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it went from there to uh, a series of articles. And then it became sort of my unofficial beat. So I've been covering. What was your first story? What was the first one you did? It was called Prep School Gangsters, mm. and it's uh, about how hip-hop, the hip-hop generation, mm-hmm. was influenced. I love hip-hop music, mm-hmm. and I also covered hip-hop artists and nightlife and so forth for Vibe magazine. Um, this was more about boys and how some boys, especially white boys in New York City, it was for New York Magazine, were adopting this kind of uh, gangster, you know, yeah, mode. And, and it was... Um, they were actually, you know, aspirational to be gangsters, to mm-hmm. actually be gangsters. And some of them were dealing drugs and, you know, getting into all kinds of situations. Yeah. But it was more about the—it was more about the culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hip-hop was—this has been written about a lot by others, not by me, but the music industry pushed gangster rap. Mm-hmm. And it—not that it's not great. I love— I love a lot of those artists very much, but it was taken up in this sort of way that I think a lot of people could say bordered on a kind of racial, you know, offensiveness or racism. Mm -hmm. And yet I also, it was nuanced in the sense that I also saw all of these like really interesting connections and relationships being formed. Absolutely. And it was, uh, it was sort of shocking, I think, to a lot of people who read it, what was going on. Right. And, you know, I didn't really think about it back then, but I was covering kids in technology back then. Right. Because they were running, well, also they were running around with cameras, these handheld video cameras. They were filming themselves fighting Mm -hmm. and having sex. And Mm -hmm. it was the era of like, you know, sex tapes, you know, Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee. And so it was this new kind of way that technology, and they were all suddenly watching porn, mm-hmm. which they had not had the same availability to before. Right. Um, boys were watching a lot of porn. So it was dial-up, you know. Right. I would sit in these, uh, you know, rooms with them and they would like wait, you know, a long time. That, that, that ding, yeah, 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 yeah. ding, going for like these images to appear. Yeah. So I didn't really know it at the time, but I was already sort of noticing because how technology was changing culture for kids because they were – they were doing they were adopting as kids do technology earlier than everyone else and using it in ways that then that we, became the way others used it. Right. You know? Absolutely. So that was a thing and I, I covered kids then and throughout my time at Vanity Fair. Also I was often put on stories when I did celebrity culture mm-hmm. that were about young-ish celebrities, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton. Right. Um and then I did the bling ring, which was the story of the teenagers in Los Angeles who robbed Robbed. celebrities' homes. And they used technology Mm -hmm. to find out when the people were at home or not home. And then they also advertised their things that they had stolen. They Mm -hmm. advertised on Facebook. That's actually kind of how they were caught. Mm -hmm. So if you watch Sofia Coppola's film that she based on my article for for Vanity Fair, it was called The Suspects Wore Louboutins. She incorporated a lot of these tech images. I think that film is very underrated, I agree by the with way. You. I it's love a that really film. great film. It is. it is. I don't know why, I, you know, I don't know why people didn't see that at the time. I think it's going to come back around. People have been writing about it recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she and I, when when I was consulting with her on the film, I told her, like, you, they're all, they're just on screens all the time now. Mm-hmm. This is 2013. Mm-hmm. So it was, mm-hmm. this was sort of coming up and coming along that this mm-hmm. was happening. And 
she she incorporated this aspect of it very well, I thought, because this is kind of like way that the brain is sort of like, you know, flitting around to all these different images. I call it continuous partial attention. Yeah, exactly. She she has that in the film, I think, and graphically it's done very well. So and then I uh, and then I did a, a piece. So this is getting back to how did I write about mm-hmm. technology? So I did the dating piece, the Tinder piece. No, actually, actually, the the real the really first thing that I did that I really dived into tech and kids was it was called Friends Without Benefits. Mm-hmm. And the first it was viral, 2013. It was about how girls use social media, mm-hmm. how teenage girls age 13 to 19 use social media. And I was really, I think it's safe to say, I was the first person to really write about in any kind of deep way about likes Mm -hmm. and how likes had affected these girls' self-esteem. They're feeling like they had to be validated by others' approval and how Mm -hmm. it was messing with their heads, the continuous posting. What attracted you to that? The idea is because you could see the warping of these teen minds or? I started, I wanted, okay, so 2012, we saw a lot of really tragic stories all of a sudden about cyberbullying that led to mm-hmm. suicide. There was Amanda Todd, which was a tragic suicide that really devastated me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she committed suicide after having a non-consensual shared, nude shared online by an older man that she met on some mm-hmm. site. And so these were like things that we had never seen before. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's unusual to see something that you're actually like, that has never happened before. Right. And so... I talked to Graydon Carter, um, who's the executive editor at Vanity Fair, my boss for decades, and he. Um, I said, I really, I really want to. I, I want to know what's going on with all this, and why is it? Why are girls seem to be the victims right. of these events and these mm-hmm. like you know there was Steubenville where these girls right. you know the video of the girl being assaulted was put online, and it wasn't only teenagers that were you know commenting in this very ugly way about it. There was there adults as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, I think he said, and I think it was a good call as an editor, he said, let's find, because I wanted to focus on like one case. Mm-hmm. He said, let's find out what the broader thing is that's going on, like quote unquote average girls. Right. You know, whatever that means. Regular people. R- rather than the tragedy case. Rather, trage- rather than tragedy. The ones who don't, who, right. who are suffering from it, but don't don't kill themselves or other things. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. I went to a couple of cities and interviewed some girls about their social media use. And it really, people really had not been thinking about it, talking about it, writing about it. The first, the opening scene of that story, Friends mm-hmm. Without Benefits, is about Tinder. Mm-hmm. It's about a girl who, this is 2013. I had never heard of Tinder. Of course, I knew about Grindr, but I, I, she's the one who told me about Tinder. And she said that she had had her heart broken by a guy, and she was just she's just going to go on Tinder and and like have sex with somebody, lose her virginity to like get over it, mm-hmm. get over her feelings. And I said, "What's Tinder?" Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she took it out of her purse. Yeah. She took her phone out of her purse and started showing me yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, so this is very different. At that time, Tinder allowed thirteen to seventeen year olds to be yes, on the app, did. and now now they don't. Right. So that piece led to American Girls. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Well, they still make fake Facebook yeah. profiles and still right. get on it. And, you know, there were a lot of young girls, you know, girls really young, mm-hmm. like 13, who were right. telling me they were on it and talking to older guys. And older to them, to me, is even 16 or 17. But I mean older, like 20s. Mm-hmm. And this seemed very dangerous Wrong. to yes. me, not only in the kind of sexual assault type situations that it could, could occur, but... 
even just emotionally, even right. just and the, the gamification of it too. That it was it was a game. It was a game versus yeah. real relationships. So going fast to while I was reporting my book. I did a piece for Vanity Fair, Tinder and the Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse. And it came out of another conversation with Graydon. He said, I was telling him about my book. What are you up to? I'm telling him about my book. And he said, oh, yeah, you should do a piece just on those dating apps. And I said, ah, you know, I was actually very hesitant at that time because I thought, well, everybody kind of knows about them already. I kind of wrote about them in that last piece. Everybody's on them. And he said, you know, it's just, but nobody's really writing about the culture of it. People, Mm -hmm. there were... A lot of sort of cheerleading type of stories that you see in the New York Times sometimes or in other places. This is cool. Yeah, like, hey, the kids are doing something new and isn't it great? (laughs) You know, and like I find like a lot of times the writers. You wrote like so many articles I've read. (laughs) Right. That is tech reporting. Yeah, it can be. And I think, well, a lot of it. You know, I know that there are good, really good people who cover the world of tech, you, Sarah Lacey, Nick Bilton, have a more critical eye and a more, like, intelligent and analytical way of looking at it. But a lot of the stuff— No, it is. It's great. —gets written about— Look at at this. Isn't it cool? Yeah, isn't it cool? And the kids are doing it. Mark Zuckerberg's such a boy genius. And wow. You know, (laughs) and and so that was how the tone of what a lot of it was. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this piece that was really about— misogyny, mm-hmm. sexism, sexual harassment, because this is what I heard mm-hmm. from young women and men who were, were And more using. than that, the willingness to put up with it, becoming anesthetized to people speaking to you in ways you should never be spoken to or, or accepting that. That was what struck me about that article was that they had become used to it. And that, to me, was the saddest part of it. Became used to it so quickly. I mean, we're talking— And, and the technology's made so you do become used to it. Yeah. You allow yourself to become a piece of meat. You really do, or, a pe- or an object or a thing. It had happened so fast. You know, um, at one point, Nick Bilton said to me when I was interviewing him, actually, for this movie that I've just done, Swiped, he, was, he said, you know, technology makes everything go faster. Cars mm-hmm. go faster. You know, airplanes make us go even faster. But when you go faster, you have more accidents. Mm-hmm. And I think the accident that has happened here is this, I'm not sure that the creators of these platforms really even thought about well, this. Well, that's my whole issue with them right now. <laughs> I'm having a large and long debate with Silicon Valley about what they should have known and what they didn't know. But let's, let's stick to They didn't, didn't really think about how it no. was going to exacerbate they never thought about misogyny. It. Absolutely. So you did those articles and then talk about how you got to that. I want to get to the film uh, in the next section, but you were just interested in how this, these technologies are being used to change relationships, correct? Like the yeah. idea. Especially in terms, I mean, my subject, my focus is a lot young women and mm-hmm. and girls, but in the film we have people from the LGBT community, a trans Where it began, per- which a lot of these dating apps started. Yeah, definitely. Way before Grindr, actually. And we talk about how they were and still are useful to people in the LGBT community who come from places where it's often not even safe to mm-hmm. openly be yourself. And so they can be very useful and they can be a way to um, meet someone. And yeah. we, when we talk about that, I mean, it's not, you know, nothing is ever like 100% one way or the other. And mm-hmm. I know that they're used in all kinds of different ways. And yet, the other thing that I've noticed is even where people do have positive experiences and even where they do appreciate the utility and so forth. And of course, we know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that person who's gotten married off of Tinder, you know, mm-hmm. like that happens. And the New York Times 
again, sorry, I'm not trying to times bash, but it is true that they love to put in their vows section these things about, they met on Tinder. In fact, when I was, I I don't know why, you know, I, I mean, it does happen. Okay. But when I was at Tinder yeah. and I interviewed, I can't wait for you to see the film because yeah. when I interviewed them about it, yeah. and that's what they say. Yeah. And I we ran a clip so of that interview it, yeah. that you did with Sean Rand. Yeah. Because that's what he says. Right. And that's you because you actually said to him, your question is not in the film, but his response is, and what you actually said to him was, but isn't it just a hookup app? Yeah. You know, because they're known colloquially as right. that. Yeah. And he says, Oh, well, you know, we've got Marriage. people married off Tinder and I we're know, I you know, we're we're just inundated with emails yeah. about people who have relationships and, you know, like just all this bliss. I think my next answer was like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Wedded bliss. Okay, so then when I was, so we ran that, and then when I'm at Tinder, they gave, they wouldn't let me talk to Sean. Mm-hmm. He agreed for me to come, mm-hmm. my film crew and everything. You can ask me about that if I you want. I will in a second. Because yeah. it was like we had this big fight, and then he was cool with it. And we thank him in the credits for that, but he let us come up there. So, but he, they wouldn't let me talk to him. Um, he said he was busy. So mm-hmm. I'm talking to Jessica Carbino. She's the sociologist at Tinder. That was her mm-hmm. title right. at the time. And I say, okay, so where's the data? Like you, you're a company that, you know, traffics in data. Like where's the data on all this? And she says, well, we don't, that data's not available, but we are inundated with emails on a daily basis. So she uses exactly the same yep. phrase, which meant to me, yeah. it suggested to me that it was a talking point. Yeah. Because I do think that, there are people who say that, you know, well, anecdotally, you know, I think they want to believe in the fantasy of it. They do. They do. They want to believe it's not just a hookup. They want to believe in the fantasy of it. They want to think that, like, that romance that I, you know, yearn for, which we all yearn for someone to love because it's part of being a human being, is on this little app and it's going to be so easy. I'm going to swipe it. It's going to be there. But statistically, we don't have any data. There's data. On how many people want that, which is most people, 81%, mm-hmm. says Hinge's surveys. They want a long-term relationship mm-hmm. eventually. Not that it's bad if you don't, but that is what most people do want. And yet there's no data on who finds that. Well, we're here with Nancy Jo Sales. We're talking about her new documentary on HBO called Swipe, Hooking Up in a Digital Age. We go back and we're going to talk more about the documentary and what she found when she was going. She's had a long history of writing about these issues. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. We're back with Nancy Jo Sales. She's a journalist and author and now the director of an HBO documentary called Swipe, Hooking Up in the Digital Age. 
so you started to make this documentary, and you were it wasn't just Twitter, although swiping is a Tinder kind of thing. And so talk first about going to Tinder. How did you want to frame this? Just like stating this is how people hook up, or what was the what was your point? I wanted to investigate the culture mm-hmm. of dating apps, and I did not have any kind of agenda in my mind about is this good, is it bad, and and there's in certain ways I would be hesitant to really pass judgment on anybody forever using these things or doing whatever they want to do on them. I was really more interested in hearing from from characters who do use them, humanizing the people in those many stacks of pictures and finding out about what their experience has really been, how it feels to be on these apps, what they see when they're on them, how it makes them feel, what they've experienced. So right. I want to hear hear from people. You know, and actual, the people who make them. Actual users. And then also talk to the people who make them. Right. The people at Tinder and Bumble. And we also talked to Hinge. And then we finally talked to Mandy Ginsburg at mm-hmm. Match Group, who's the new CEO of the company that owns Tinder, OkCupid, and, and many of these apps. And I wanted to really ask, find out, like, why did you make these things? How do you think it's affecting culture? Does it bother you? that there are people who have these, you know, very troubling, very troubling experiences mm-hmm. and outcomes, including sexual assault. And uh, that's what I took to them. To them. Let's go back a little bit of the history of dating apps. I mean, there was a move to technologize dating a long time ago, you know, lots of ways to do it. But And, and then they're, they're moved into another period, which I covered, which was a whole bunch of apps where it was like a clearing hat was classified, essentially, right, where they were, here's some people you might like, here's people who might match you. Um, and those that was sort of the period of uh, what's the company that was a big pioneer in that wasn't okay. OkCupid was one of them, but there was a bunch of them. Things changed really dramatically though with the advent of the mobile phone. Sure, pretty we much about that, that in the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll never forget years ago there was an someone I seen all the startups they come through, and there was a it, it did start off a lot among gay men trying to hook up, and there was a I think it was called M to M for Sex dot com, which I was like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, that pretty <laughs> yeah, much I know says it all. Is, yeah. yeah, and I remember calling Jerry Yang of Yahoo, of just talking to him, and he's like, what's interesting? I go, you got to buy this. Company. Company. And he's like, I'm not buying MTM for sex.com. I go, no, no, the concept of it is brilliant. Like, I want to have sex in the Castro at four o'clock and I like to be peed on, whatever. It was like, and then it went, yeah. do, 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 and then found people. Yeah. And I go, that is matching is brilliant. Like, it's astonishing that you could then, you can literally make a list. And I said, it's horrifying and fascinating and you should understand how important this is. Like, and as, as it got smarter and smarter. And he, of course, didn't buy the company, but I was really intrigued, not so much by the, dating aspect of it is what it, it takes relationships down to ones and zeros in a way that had never happened and in, with speed, like that you can find someone locationally w- near where you are. I think there's also a stereotype, homophobic stereotype of gay men that they just want to hook up. Yeah. And I found that when I talked to the gay men that I talked to for the film, what they wanted to talk about was not how much they loved all of this, but how it was making it harder to actually yes. connect and have relationships Every with people, right? Because, What's, you know, so, you know, there's a great quote, one of the, um, and we talk about how it changed gay culture too, because there's a great quote, a young man named Austin who's in the film, he said, it started to, I know all these quotes by heart almost, because mm-hmm. I've, you know, you sit with a film for a year editing it, it's like, you know, everything by heart. He says, it started to change the gay clubs. And it was like, instead of talking to each other and, and you know, being there together, Everyone was on their phones. Yes. And everyone was looking on their phones. And he said, 
it occurred to him, like, why are we doing this? Because, and I, I love what he says, we're all already here at the dance. Right, right, right. You, you right, know, yes. and, and like suddenly, but so, and we went into some gay clubs in New York and filmed, and everybody was on their phones. Not Look, every single person. Yes, but they're looking on they're looking the, or, And we know. have a young gay man in the, the film. Scruff? Scruff. He yeah. says, you know, if I see somebody, in a, you know, in a bar or whatever who I'm attracted to, I won't go over and talk to him. I will just go on Scruff and see if, if he's on Scruff. And, right. like, maybe we'll match on Scruff, like, in the same room. And this also was what we heard when we went to the University of California at Santa Cruz campus where we filmed a lot of beautiful footage of that place. My goodness, what a beautiful, yeah, a beautiful, place. beautiful place. And all these really wonderful, wonderful young people we interviewed. One of them is trans. And they were saying that, oh, yeah, college, college campus, like, nobody, like, you know, talks and hooks up. It's just yeah. like we just go on Tinder. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, people have asked me if, as they've been interviewing uh, me for this film, what did you learn? What surprised you? And that right. is something that really surprised me that in college, right, they on a co- when they're all there, right, <laughs> I'm like yeah. that's what, that's like your time to, uh, yeah. you know, like talk to people yeah. and have flings and romances and relationships yeah. and all your practice relationships for like your future relationships. No. It's right. all Tinder and mostly Tinder, actually. Other apps, too, as well. But the on, on Santa Cruz campus, it was Tinder. And they would even say, like, if you're going to a party, you try and match with somebody before you go to the party and meet the person that you match with at the party. So it's already all arranged already. Right. You know, so this whole weird way that, you know, like you said, gamification is one issue, mm-hmm. which we go into in the, in the film with Adam Alter, who's the great sociologist in the way you wrote Irresistible. But we, and, you know, we related to be a Skinner experiment. It just like Talk blew my mind. Talk about the gamification of it. What's happening when people are playing these things? Because when I see young people use them, often they're doing it. I'm like, and they're like, no, no. I'm like, that's a person that you're just, it's not like a well, product. Like said, it's not a, it's not something you're I gonna, can't wait for you to see this. Yeah. I would love to know what you think because one of the most striking moments to me in interviewing Jonathan Bedeen, mm-hmm. the CSO of Tinder, who invented the swipe, um, was when I I said, how did you invent this? And he had talked a lot in interviews yeah. about, you know, he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's swiping on the fog on the mirror and like that, or like it's looking at a deck of cards. What he hadn't said before this film that I know of mm-hmm. is talking about gamification and how he actually, in part, based this all on psychological studies and experiments involving uh, addiction and gamification that he learned mm-hmm. about in psych. I'm quoting him: mm-hmm. psych courses mm-hmm. in in business school, right. and so or whatever major he was in. I'm not sure. So he's talked. He mentions this phrase, and I don't want to get it wrong, but it's, I believe it's variable ratio schedule, variable reward schedule. Mm-hmm. Now this is all feels very mouse like, but go ahead. It's pigeons. Mm-hmm. Oh, pigeons. All right. Okay. It's pigeons. It's mm-hmm. all related to an experiment mm-hmm. done by B.F. Skinner, the very controversial and some say very insidious uh, sociologist whose whole, you know, work was a lot about controlling behavior. How? Mm-hmm. Oh, look. Look what we can do. Look what right. we can make people do or make pigeons do. He did this experiment, and then I went and had my archival researcher go and find the footage of the experiment. It's in the film where Skinner, this kind of, you know, some people would say like evil genius, is— surrounded by cages with pigeons. Mm -hmm. And this is what Tinder is. It's like the pigeon becomes a gambler because when he pecks and gets food, he gets bored. So he peck, peck, pecks. He doesn't want he's going to get the food. He might get it, he might not. 
that's the whole swiping mechanism. Mm-hmm. You swipe, you might get a match, you might not. And then you're just like excited to play the game. Right. And you just keep playing the game because mm-hmm. it's like, am I going to match or am I not match? And people will match like, you know, we, we talk to people who would just match, 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 match. And it was really just about the swiping and the matching more. It became more about that. Because it makes you feel better. Right. And you get like that you. little dopamine rush. Right. And so he Skinner essentially turned pigeons into gamblers. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the game, because there's two things you're talking about there. One is gamification of it, which means it's somewhat fun to start to t- treat people like not real people, just pictures on the screen. And the second part is addiction, that it's that it's addictive. We have a, a character in the which film. Which great games, successful games, not great games, usually are. We have a character in the film named Kyle. He's a young man in New York City. And he's like a, you know, just like a, like a regular heterosexual white dude. Mm-hmm. Like kind of the guy that these apps are sort of made for would be right. sort of my right. thesis. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. They are all made. Everything the Internet's made for is a white man who lives in San Francisco. Well, okay. I'm glad you delivered. said it. Well, anyway, so. You know well, my a joke that I always tell. No. San Francisco is assisted living for millennials. <laughs> okay. Well, Think you know, I mean, a lot. Everything been, they want. I've been so heartened in a way because I have seen a lot of tweets and posts since the film came out on Monday. And it's on HBO now. You can see it on all the HBO platforms now. It's called Swiped. I've seen a lot of tweets and so forth from young women and men who have said, wow, I didn't realize that this stuff was made by like white tech bros. Like what? I wasn't thinking about it. it. Yeah. They don't think about yeah, it. Yeah. They're not you and, right. and I was totally immersed in this culture. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not me on the sidelines, a reporter reporting on this culture. Mm-hmm. They're just using it. They're not thinking about yeah. who's making it. They're not thinking that, like, a bunch of white dudes in a dorm room, most, you know, we're just sitting around saying, how hey, how can we get all the uh, guys like us laid? Right. I understand that that's a reductive way of saying it. No, but it's it, not. <laughs> You're a hundred. Yeah, they were thinking I, about the women and how good they could feel about themselves the whole time. Okay. They're right. never thinking okay. about She has that. this sarcastic was, face emoji. Yeah, yeah the, I was uh, talking to someone from uh, Twitter who recently, who worked there, got attacked recently online, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that and was like, oh, this was really hard. I'm like, welcome to the experience of the rest of the world. Like, yeah. oh, and, and the reason Twitter allows bullying is because the people who made it didn't get bullied on Twitter. Yeah. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, objectification. And they it's, would argue with me and I just know it. I just... They, yeah. Well, the bullying, the bullying is something that I covered a lot in my American Girls book and it does sort of come into people's experience on these apps too, because you could say that sexual harassment is a kind of bullying, often, you know, spills into what is bullying. One of the most powerful things I think in the film is the story that is told by a young woman named Nicole, Mm -hmm. who went on a few dates with a guy she met on, oh, I was about to say the app, I can't say it. Okay. She she met him him on a a dating app. And he did not take kindly to the fact that she would not have sex with him. He mm-hmm. felt that he was entitled to sex. There have been, there's actually a recent case of a rape in England where the guy said, at, at, you know, as he was arrested or in trial or something, but I, I met her on a, a dating app. I, I mean, we were supposed to have sex. Right. A lot of people feel, I think young men in particular sometimes feel, for. yeah, that's what it's for, you know. Right. So he got mad at her and he made a, he constructed a website about her. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not know how common this was. I talked to Danielle Citron, who's a, you know, she's a, Hate crimes in cyberspace is the mm-hmm. author, she's the author of that, and she's a law professor, and she's like, oh yeah, this is not uncommon. Not at all. He made this website about her, all about how she was a crackhead. Yeah, and it was just completely not true. Right. And when she went to the app on which that had happened, they said, oh, sorry, not our problem. Call the police. Mm-hmm. Of course. 
the police are not equipped to deal with something like this. Right. And she went to other people who might be able to help her, Mm -hmm. like Facebook and Instagram, because this guy had scanned all of her photos, you know, scanned for every single bad photo of her that Mm -hmm. ever existed, 17 years old drinking and at a party and looking awful and all that kind of stuff. And that's her words, looking awful, and put it on this big mosaic. So Mm -hmm. it's like terrible, ugly pictures of her, her words. And then she's a crackhead. Right. Just because she wouldn't sleep with him. Yeah, yeah. And so... I think that the risks involved—we do go into the risks involved, which are enormous mm-hmm. and include, yeah, we talked to a young woman who met someone on another app who was sexually assaulted. He did not rape her, but he attempted to. Right. And so these horrible things are happening, and yet no one is talking about it. We're in the Me Too moment. People are talking about sexual harassment and assault mm-hmm. in every, you know, in the workplace and all these, and all, even online, and yet not on dating apps. And that perplexes me because I would guess that the place where most young women, if not young people, are experiencing this kind of sexual harassment right. is on dating Absolutely. apps on a daily um, basis. And the next thing I'm going to talk about is sort of the responsibility of the tech companies to that. Like, what is their actual responsibility, which they seem to abrogate almost continually on anything, on anything, whether it's the Russians or dating apps or anything else. Or I asked Mandy Ginsburg about that. Yeah. Um, she is the you know, CEO of Match Group again. She's newly hired, first female CEO of Match Group. And she said, oh, well, we're going to do everything we can to make all of these products. You know, and she actually said, we're in the Me Too moment. Mm -hmm. We're going to do everything we can to make these products safe and great for women. And I say, okay, this is all on camera. I say, okay, well, how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. And she says, I swear to God, you got to watch it. She says, we have tips. Don't ever drink. Don't get in someone's car. What? Don't go to someone's house. Young women have to be really careful. I mean, a lot of young women actually have posted about this and said this is very, you know, this is one of our problems is that we put all the onus and the responsibility on young women, quote, unquote, not to get raped. Right. Whereas, you know, you have all these platforms where you're putting together strangers Mm -hmm. without any kind of vetting, without any kind of really knowing who this person is. Anybody can say anything from behind the screen. And uh, when if some one of these things happens, you can't get sued. I think it's oddly enough, I, one thing I'm writing about next week is the immunity from Section 230. There that you these go. Companies That's have the problem. You I'm going to advocate. Get sued. You can't get sued. I want them all to get sued. All right, because then they'll stop. <laughs> exactly. That okay. That is the Rosetta Stone of the whole thing. They have no responsibility, and they don't give an F because it will never affect their bottom line. If Nicole is bullied on a website or Dylan, our character in the film, has a guy come over and tries to rape her, there's no accountability whatsoever. And there doesn't have to be. And it's all Section 230. It's the whole thing. Section 230. It's it's absolutely. We're talking to Nancy Jo Sales. She has a new documentary. out. She's written a ton of amazing articles, but she is a director of a new HBO documentary called Swiped, Hooking Up in a Digital Age. When we get back, we're going to talk about tech responsibility going forward for these things. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there's no way that, that Israel should be able to participate 
Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. We're here with Nancy Jo Sales. She's a journalist and author and now the director of an HBO documentary called Swipe, Hooking Up in a Digital Age. You know, you were talking about sort of they like to say the positive things about the uses of these. And some people like them. They like to meet people this way because it is hard to meet people. And Well, and yeah, I mean, we don't dismiss that in the mm-hmm. film. We do have a character her, her, named Claudia in the Santa Cruz uh, uh, section. And she says, hey, look, you know, I like casual sex. I want to have casual sex. I have casual sex on these apps and that's just fine with me. Mm-hmm. And that's fine with me too. And that's fine. That should be fine with everybody. You you should be able to choose whatever you want mm-hmm. to choose. But the problem is that, as we've already discussed, most people want a real connection, a real kind of lasting or at least short-term, long-term, whatever, but something realer. That's borne out by studies. Most people do want that, men and women. Mm-hmm. And the marketing of these companies is that they're going to get that on these apps. And yet there is no proof or study or anything or data that that is what you get statistically. Right. Yeah. And even Justin McLeod, who is the CEO of Hinge, who we interview in the film, he openly says these swiping apps, these swiping platforms – privilege people who want hookups. Right. Absolutely. So they're designed that way. What do you think, is there any that's sort of tried to be different from your perspective that you think is decent? I'm always really hesitant to say what's... Because Fumble tried, who was one of the... But tried, but I mean, that was their premise, but didn't. And then is there any of these that... I'd be really interested for you to see the interviews yeah. that we have with Whitney Wolf heard right. in the She was one film. of the original Tinder people and then went off, had a... Well, now, yeah, she's in the film and she's being sued now by Tinder mm-hmm. for allegedly uh, stealing the swiping me- right. mechanism. I mean, Bumble right. is very similar to Tinder. And the only yeah. real difference is that women have to message first. And her marketing, which is very has been very successful, is that this makes it feminist mm-hmm. because you have to message first. And this makes it so that, you know, you can't get harassing messages. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. I've talked to women who've been harassed on Bumble. Mm-hmm. As, as soon as you contact them, they, they can then harass you. Right, right, like, right. You're just messaging them first. <laughs> I mean, they, they they don't like— So what? is there anyone that doesn't? I'm just—like, that's the marketing for that is that you have control of it, but you don't. Once you've started your first— I initial- think that a lot of— Marketing is done with this dating industry mm-hmm. that kind of robs, a, you know, it kind of adopts a feminist discourse and kind mm-hmm. of makes it seem like you're going to be all liberated and empowered yeah. if you do this. Right. Because, you know, that sells it better. You know, it's like a lot of companies do that with women mm-hmm. when they want to sell them something that isn't necessarily in their best interest or mm-hmm. even good for them. But they'll say, hey, but if you do this, you're going to be a feminist. Because you can have control of yourself. Right. Sex. And I mean, actually, we have this dating historian in the film. She's really great. Her name is Zoe Strimple, and she has this great British accent. And she says, but that's just, but Bumble, her critique of it is that just means women have to do more work, and they always have to do more work. <laughs> and all, you know, like... What about the specific ones, like J-Date or the others? Because there was the best ad I ever saw, it was, I was driving down Hollywood, uh, Sunset Boulevard, and there was an ad for, I think it was J-Date, and it said, why is this app 
different than others. It was, you know, why is this night different than others? It was mm, a very yeah. funny thing. That's cute. Um, a lot of them have good marketing. Yeah, they really do. Is there any of the specific ones, the like Christian Mingle or Jade Aid or— There's an app now for everything. Yeah, there is. For but everyone. Are, did those there's farmers, there's farmers Farm, meat fa- farmers, farmers meat. something. Yeah. I went on it because I wanted to know what it was like. What, what are they doing on here? Mm-hmm. And I was on my book tour, mm-hmm. and I was in the Midwest somewhere. Did you meet like, a farmer? I didn't. <laughs> But I could have. There was a lot of discussion of like livestock and barns and stuff. Yeah. And so I like that. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay. A guy in a flannel shirt. That's cool. Uh, There's nothing wrong with being a farmer. I just, you know, we need farmers. Farmers, I like farmers. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to say is that they can get very specific and very, they can go into very specific things. They're trying to, they're trying to make money. So they're like looking at every demographic. Are those better or not? Or is there anything, is there any way we, this could be done using technology in a good way? Yeah. In a good way. You know, the... Or does it just remove all the emotion from it so it makes it impossible and it becomes utterly transactional? I, I wonder. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know the answer to this because some days, like I was having a discussion with uh, Kevin Sistrom from Instagram. I'm think, I think about Instagram and those other ones a lot because I find them performative and I find them – nobody feels good. No, there's nope. a lot of everyone. You know, when my bu- my, my, my book in, yeah, into it, but when it, my book American Girls first came out, you know, uh, like you said, that was one of the first to sort of, you know talk about this stuff. Some people resisted and said, oh, no, that's not true. And now there have been like, a, in the last few years, there have been like a million studies. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff makes people, especially young people, feel bad. Yeah. Makes them anxious, makes them depressed. It can lead to all kinds of things like cutting. Uh, you know, the sexualization can lead to all sorts of, you know, body image issues and everything. And when I've gone to schools, every single school that I have been to, talk to teachers. If you want to know what this stuff is really doing to kids, mm-hmm. talk to teachers because they have to deal with it every single day in the classroom. And most schools do not ban phones because their parents want them to have their phones mm-hmm. um, so that they can be in contact with them. And the teachers say this, I heard this again and again and again, this is ruining our school. Mm-hmm. And so I think because they're just too addicted, they're mm-hmm. too distracted, they're not paying attention, they're not right. looking at the teacher, right. they're trying to text or sext or watch porn or whatever it is, just news, or, yeah. or just talking about whatever, mm-hmm. going on BuzzFeed, whatever, on their phones instead of paying attention to what's happening. They don't know how to be in the moment a lot of the time. So think about so, a good way of using it. Is there any, is it just too addictive to? I think what we have to face is that this is unprecedented. You right. know, we've never had a way of meeting each other like no. this before. I, I just had Jaron Lanier on the podcast. He had written a book about getting off of social media. He, he's a technologist. He loves technology. But I think one of the things he said that was most profound is we've never had an experiment with all the world talking to each other in a digital format and instantly. And he said, maybe we're not ready for he thinks humanity's not ready, can't can't handle what's happening. It's going too fast. Yeah. We're guinea pigs. We're, you know, we've become products. You know, that's, right. I think that's pretty clear. We are providing valuable data on a, you know, pretty consistent basis to people who are making money off of us. We're laborers in a sense mm-hmm. to people who, you know, don't really care whether or not we fall in love and get married right. or, or whatever. They want our data. They want our money. Well, Tinder is now charging a lot for its services. You know, they after they get you sort of addicted and hooked, a lot of these companies, then they start charging for certain features, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, no more swipes, but you can do this and mm-hmm. you can do that. And, you know, right. so what I always try and do in this work is trying to get people to think about that, to right. think about the man behind the curtain and, and really like connect with your feelings and how you really feel. Mm-hmm. Not only like 
not only when you're swiping, but when you're actually meeting up with these people and, and having sex with them and stuff. We have a, a sex therapist. She's a sex therapist. And she talks about connection and how good sex is really about connecting. And mm-hmm. if you have technology, to connecting with yourself even. Right. Connecting with yourself mm-hmm. and being in the moment with yourself. And if you have technology, which is so becomes makes people so disassociative right. with not only others. That's exactly the right word. With, with, but with their themselves, own selves. Yeah. And it becomes this thing where like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I push this button, push that button, send these six messages. And that's one of the guys says in the beginning of the film, six messages is all it takes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm with this person and our clothes are off. You know, just, just connect mm-hmm. with yourself. Right. And think about like. So is there is there, is there any good to it? Because I, I at this moment I don't actually I don't have an answer to that. I don't. When I think of what's good in these kind of things, and I, I'm not this is not a dating app, but like um, whatever you think of Uber or Lyft, it's utility. It move. It, it's a util. When it becomes a utility, it is. But what's happened is dating has become a utility. Versus when it's some, I want to buy something, it arrives. That's better than going to Best Buy. It is. It just is. It's just a better experience. I'd rather not have done the Best Buy experience. Whatever it happens to me. I think that's a really great argument for what's disturbing about this because mm-hmm. you just talked about buying stuff. Right, I know, but that's you, what I'm saying. But dating doesn't fit into it, and that's right. the problem. And that's, so that's and that, the problem, and, that, and they put it into that paradigm. Right, so, so that, what I'm saying, when I like digital, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So, and it does make sense, and there's nothing wrong well, with it. Well, no, that. just because you like just because you look at something critically doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're a Luddite and want to just all go away and want right. to go live with the Amish and like, you know, I don't I hear know. the Amish have like, cell phones now. So don't. I'm sure they have Tinder. Yeah. No offense to Amish people, but you know what I mean. It's so pervasive and so addictive. Yeah. But I think that's a good analogy because like, and, and that's the point at which we should start thinking about it. Like a guy in my, that article that you referenced, mm-hmm. Tinder and the yeah. dawn of the day in apocalypse. still mad about that article. I don't write the I head- still want to like wake up my kids. I don't, hey! <laughs> I don't write the headlines, but don't, dating apocalypse, by the way, was a quote. It got taken up as like this weird thing. People were like, oh, she says there's not going to be more dating. I went on a date last night. But that's not, it was a quote from a young woman yeah. describing what a mess it all was. But there's a guy in that piece who says, it's like ordering seamless, right. except you're ordering a person. Right, exactly. You know, and I've had other people who I don't think have read that article make similar analogies. Mm-hmm. So, but we're not, we're not seamless. Mm-hmm. We're like human beings. Right. And it's really. So what do we do? Let, let's finish up talking. What happens? Where is it headed? Virtual reality sex. That's right. And sex robots. Yep. And um, we talked about that in the end of the film. Mm -hmm. I think uh, that's what's Minority Report, remember? The first thing that's going to happen is live streaming on on Tinder and other dating apps. That's happening Mm -hmm. almost immediately. uh, You know, in other words, people will be able to, instead of just swiping on a picture, that's going to look really... Really rudimentary very Mm -hmm. quickly. People will be able to stream. They already stream. What most people... Not most, but a lot of people do on dating apps is they match and then they go offline. And meet. Well, meet or just have a cyber relationships, maybe sometimes just cyber sex, go to FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So in other words, kind of take that FaceTime thing and maybe they start, you know, mutually like sexting right, through yes, FaceTime yes. Yep. after they're on the app and meet. What's your number? So that... I'm sure the dating apps know that. So mm-hmm. they're just going to incorporate that into the platform. So you right. can just start doing that right away. Mm-hmm. Are people going to talk about like Tolstoy and stuff? Maybe mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. people will. But I think a lot of times it's just going to turn into... Transactional. And it's going to become naked, 
naked stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's cool if that's what you want to do. But like I said, it's not— was that app that <laughs> did that? that, that it, it had to go to business. It wasn't— Chat, chat roulette. Chat roulette, yeah. yeah. Which, was, or, which everyone was horrified, but and now that's going to happen. Yeah, it's happening, and I think it's going to be—Adam Alter says in the film, if you could just put on some goggles and put, you know, some of those things— Haptic. It's called haptic. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> put on that thing that's going to, like, attach to your appendages or whatever, right. uh, whatever you got down there. And you don't have to spend any money. You don't have to get dressed up. You mm-hmm. don't have to take an Uber. You can just sit in your home— and feel like you're not just having sex with someone, but that person can look like Scarlett Johansson or mm-hmm. Chris Helmsworth or whatever, you know? Right. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Why right. wouldn't you do that every day? Right. Instead of, you know, people are difficult to, to like, get to know yes, and deal with and, mm-hmm. and have relationships with. Relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. I did it twice unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, even just the, like, highs and lows and, and fallout of a hookup mm-hmm. is so difficult to deal it with is. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think— that probably what's going to happen is technology, people who want to make money through this technology are going to step in and say, hey, guess what? You don't have to go through any of that. You can just put on your goggles. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are people, of course, who will just be horrified by that and who will say, no, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to go through all that hard work of, of knowing someone because that is valuable to me. I think there are lots and lots of people who will still want that and still do that. But I think there are a lot of people who will just— Do you just, think that's good then? Removing all that friction, so to speak. I always try and not say good, bad. All right. Because I, because I don't know. I know that it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people who have watched, there's something about it that makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people who have watched the film have said, even though I've been lucky, you know, a lot of people have really liked the film and they're tweeting about it and got some good reviews and all that kind of stuff and coverage. But a lot of people have said that, that it makes them sad, that it seems sad that this is where we are and this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. So VR, haptic, what else? Sex robots. In fact, there's already some sex robots out there. Yeah. Um, they're becoming more and more affordable and there have been memes. Now, you have to understand also like the way that this subject matter affects me and my perspective on it is as a woman and as a woman who you know has written recently about young women and girls and who mm-hmm. has a daughter. Not that you have to have a daughter to no. understand. Thank you for saying that. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. Of course not. Yeah. You don't at all. But I no, do no. have one. Mm-hmm. And it does affect how I look at these things. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know. So that's true too. Both mm-hmm. things are true. You right. don't have to have one. But if right. you do have one, you know, right. yep. we can all yep. appreciate yep. that all of our experience yes. Yes. Is, 100%. is legit. 100%. And we can all add to each other's understanding. So as someone who comes at it from a perspective that I would call, yes, feminist, it disturbs the heck out of me mm-hmm. because I see it as um, – and, and it's not just that I think this. It's I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. I interview young guys who – you know, and there's some young guys in the film who feel very emboldened to say and do degrading things because the technology seems to promote that. It does. And we don't want to – like blame them, especially when they're really young and they're teenagers and stuff. They're just growing up in this culture. Right. Of course, they're personally 
responsible for anything that yeah. they do. Yeah, it, but, it does. When but someone's they're, not they're, there. their toxic masculinity is No, I think is, it's, is designed, it's designed to dehumanize. Even text, even text, the things you say on text that you wouldn't say in person. Well, so I've seen these memes lately. Mm-hmm. My editor, I was really lucky. My editor's only 25 years old, never mm-hmm. did a film before, and this mm-hmm. is his first film, and I wanted someone young. Mm-hmm. I really lobbied with HBO to get someone very young. Um, he's really brilliant guy, I think, and you'll see in the film. He's a great editor. Spencer. And so, we, you know, he's he's uh, aware of all this stuff. And he's on these apps and he, you know, is a social media kid. He grew up with social media and everything. And that's what I, I wanted him, his perspective in the film. So just a few days ago, actually, he sent me all these memes he was starting to see mm-hmm. on Instagram about robot sex. Oh, really? And they're very much like you see her, like the robot, like bent over, mm-hmm. ready to right. do whatever. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know the exact phrasing, but to paraphrase something along the lines of, why deal with a real girl when you have this? Right. You know. Yeah. 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 So is it good, bad? I mean, huh. That's bad. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Gonna I'm, Ka- I'm going to make a value judgment there. That I'm going to let Kara say it because yeah, she's allowed. Bad. Yeah, you are too. You know that's bad. That's like, oh, no. I know on. that it makes me upset. Yeah. And I don't want young women so to have to wh- see that and have to feel like, that's preferable to me. This real right. so person here with so a beating heart that you could on get to know. Let's end on positivity if we if we can do it. Okay. Is there any sign that it's not going this direction? That there people want to meet in person. Is there any quaint moment where people go, you know what? Let's not do it this way. Let's do it a different way. I can tell you. I or can, is it just the Amish? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you a story. And again, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do with this film or with any mm-hmm. of my reporting. I'm uncomfortable telling people what to do. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. But I report mm-hmm. and watch what I found out, you know. Yeah. And uh, also the film is beautiful. Can I just say that? I mean, beautiful to, beautiful to look at. I have the best DP. His name is Daniel Carter. And he just, I mean, he just made the world of dating even as disturbing and troubling as it is, it's a beautiful film. And just to look at, he's a great, he's just a great uh, cameraman. He did a great job. And we had this, I spoke with him, I spoke with Daniel and also the colors for the film about how colorful I Mm -hmm. wanted to make it. I wanted to look like like an iPhone. Right. Because this is all like taking place in a very colorful world. Yes, those colors are for a reason. Right. Another addiction. Right, addiction, like popping in. I always go around and grayscale people's phones. And then they, because oh, really? you don't like you your don't want to look at it anymore. You don't want to look at it anymore. That's so funny. I'll grayscale yours. So later. this is a. I should. I'm way too addicted to it myself. So there's. It's just a beautiful film with a lot of colors, and it's it's just great to look at. I think. So, so okay. So the good any, story. So yeah. the good story. So going back to Tinder and the dawn of the dating apocalypse. So there's a guy in that story. Um, it's all you know, just. He's the Tinder man, the Tinder right. king, or something. Right. right. He, there were like Reddit threads about him. Everybody's talking right. because he was effing a different girl on Tinder every night right. and you know so he kind of became my friend he's a young guy it's okay because we don't know his name and you don't know who he is but he's a real person and he he became sort of my friend and a lot of these guys become you know women too become my friends because right. I yeah. like them they're right. interesting so he reached out to me a few months after the piece came out and mm-hmm. he was having a lot of trouble emotionally um, he had a lot of addictions not just to mm-hmm. Tinder mm-hmm. but drinking and drugs mm-hmm. cocaine and he um, he reached out to me and he said, I'm not really feeling okay. What do I do? So I hooked him up with a person that I know who's in the in that you know, medical profession about getting some help. Cut to like a year later, 
he doesn't use he went to different you know rehabs and so forth and he's doesn't use any of that stuff anymore it's all related i think it is i think it's all related it's all right. about addiction mm-hmm. this country has a real problem with addiction of all kinds mm-hmm. food alcohol drugs technology dating apps it's all addiction. so he's not on that any of it anymore and i said so how do you date now and he said well my therapist said i should really get a hobby you know, to mm-hmm. like take up my time mm-hmm. when I'm not uh, doing a, working or whatever. So he started. He took up swing dancing. Oh, that's he's, a good way to meet people. Yeah, he became a swing dancer. Yeah, he's now he's not Tinder man anymore. He's swing dancing <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, we're gonna end up. That. And he met a nice young person, and they're together. So oh, I'm not man. saying everybody's got to go swing dance. Swing dancing is a great way to meet. But whatever. I yeah. mean, he's dancing instead of swiping. Nancy, I think we're gonna end on that. Huh? That makes me happy. That's a really, that's fantastic. Tinder man, you're swing dance man. I'm so glad he's, he's you know, doing well. Well, good. All right. The documentary on HBO, thank you, Richard Plepler, uh, is called Swipe Hooking Up in the Digital Age. It's now available on HBO. Is yes. it going to have a, a, any other showing, a theatrical showing or anything? HBO, like HBO Go, HBO Now, all the HBO all platforms. HBO. It was shot in, in, it was shot for television. All right, so. What's next for you? I'm trying to get somebody to uh, give me a chance to do another documentary. I have an idea for That's really what I think I want to do dating now. Dating still? I love doing this so much. Not dating, something completely unrelated. All right. I really, I think, a great I, way to I, I, think I finally, and you know, I've done a lot of things. I think I finally found the thing I like doing the best. Well, good. This is fantastic. I urge everyone to watch it. And I'm going to watch it. Not tonight, but because to, I'm going to go do something analog tonight. But uh, when I get in front of the next screen, I do. Nancy Joe, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming yeah. on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more episodes of Rico Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like the interview, I don't care to know you. Uh, or you just want to say hi, tweet at me. I'm at Kara Swisher on Twitter. Now that you're done with this, go check out the latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then. <laughs>